of you guys remember the BMW commercial? Um, I would, I, if I would have known a little bit earlier, I would have got it. You remember the BMW commercial they used to play and the, the BMW was going down the road and the angels come flying out of the sky and each one got on each tire? Y'all, y'all remember that one? Oh, you Google it on YouTube. It'll, you'll see it's amazing. All right, because every time I pray over and I see traveling, I pray it every week because I travel on the roads and we were doing the tallying of, you know, every time I see a wreck, I take a picture and send it to Jen. Uh, not because we're gory people, but because I want to give glory to God. We've I probably, you know, last time we were in, it was about 113 wrecks in the last year and a half that I've seen on the interstates between different places I've been going. And I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, I saw one that I'd never seen before. Instead of there being an ambulance loading the people in, there were two hearses, and they were loading the people into the hearses. And I'm so thankful that, you know, my car is not like every other car going down the road. Have angels a charge around about mine to keep me in all my ways. And that BMW commercial, when the car's rolling down, you have these angels fly down, one gets on each tire, and they talk to protect it. I'm telling you, you need to pray. Traveling this week, this holiday season and things, man, He will give you angels charge around about you to keep you in all your ways. And so, man, don't get in a car and just take it for granted that you're going to get where you're going. Because i got to know there's somebody out there that wants to take you out as much as God wants to bless you. So you just got to go into your prayer boldly, not afraid, but yet declare the promises, alright? Well, let's go. I'm, I'm pumped up. Thanksgiving is it's going to be a different kind of series here. Um, that song, Thanks, Thank You Lord, is a really cool song, and I loved it. For years we've used it for Thanksgiving because I want to thank God for all He's done. But I want to throw a new concept on you this year on not just giving thanks going into the holidays for what God has done for you this year and everything. I want to move the concept from thanksgiving to thanksgiving. And I believe there's a difference in the two. And so today you may say, Cricket, I'm not going to follow you very well. Um, if you'll stick with me over the next couple of weeks, I believe you will get a full understanding about where we're going. Because I believe this, if you will allow what I know God has revealed in me to go inside of you and change maybe some thinking in some areas, I believe God will begin to shift you in the area of your destiny. Where I get our concept from in this series, I'm bringing it out of the four different times that Jesus said thank you. In the Bible, there were four times that Jesus, the Bible says, gave thanks or said thank you. Now, it's amazing to me how a lot of times we as humans and people take what God says and we do it, but then you can look a little deeper. And a lot of times what we feel how to do naturally is opposite of what it's done supernaturally. Now, I'm going to read you a couple, and hopefully I can pull this together today and make a little sense out of it. But um, the definition for Thanksgiving is um, the expression of gratitude, especially to God. That is actually the... Webster's Dictionary definition. The attitude or the expression of gratitude, especially to God. Now that's pretty cool. But when I read in the Scripture, and I see where Jesus actually used the concept of thanksgiving, it's different. 
than the way I've used it in my own personal life for years. I've got to be honest with you, I'm so thankful for what God has done for me. I look back over the years, and I can't tell you, and I, I could spend the rest of my life trying to repay God for all the blessings that He's brought for me and never even come close to equaling the balance because He has blessed me so beyond what I deserve. But I want you to know there is another way of living than just giving thanks. There is a thanks living that I believe God wants to move us into. And I believe this, thanks living is a supernatural way of you living by faith. And we'll jump into this just a bit today and hopefully I'll, I'll bring some of it into an understanding. But um, going into it, I want you to see that Jesus gave thanks differently than we did in the process of when He did it. Normally, in my concept, like we get, and as a matter of fact, the beginning, the first Thanksgiving meal was the settlers had made it through a hard year. They had made it through and they sat down and wanted to give God thanks for all that they had and the bounty that they had. That's not the way Jesus did it. There are four different places in the Scripture. I'm going to bring them up and we'll get into them on another week. I'm really going to go in a different direction first. The first way we find Jesus giving thanks is found in Luke 22, verse 14 through 20. And it says this, And when the hour had come, He sat down with His twelve apostles, sat down with His apostles with them, and then He said to them, With fervent desire, I have desire to eat Passover with you before I suffer. Now, underline that before. Very important. We're going to come back to this several times. But before he said, I suffer, I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks. All right, we'll get into the concept of why there later. I want to read a couple more scriptures to you. If we go to Matthew 15, 32. Here we jump up and we show up in the process of 5,000 people not having enough. 5,000 people hungry. 5,000 people in lack. 5,000 people in need. And the Bible said this, Jesus or the disciples did not have enough to feed the 5,000. And you know the story. We won't get into it so much. I just want you to see. It says, So He commanded the multitudes to sit down on the ground, and He took the seven loaves, the fish, and gave thanks. Alright, we're going to go one more time to John 11, verse 40. And it said, we pick up um, the story here where Lazarus was dead. Jesus showed up at the tomb. Now, if you read... Well, I'll come back to that in just a second. Alright, All right, so we'll go here in John chapter 11, verse 40. It says, and Jesus said to her, Did I not say that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And then he took away the stone and placed where the dead man was laying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father... I thank you. Now, I want to bring this concept to you today that thanksgiving and thanksgiving both derive from the same place or the same root, I believe, through each one of us, and that is looking at what we either have or looking at what we've been through are looking at where we're going. I believe thankfulness. Thanksgiving and thankfulness starts with the concept of vision. 
Now, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm going to be weird on you a little bit, for, but I'm going to put this together for you, all right? You know, if you, I've never met anybody that was thankful for some, until they turned back around and was able to look and see what God had done through what they had been through. I know there were times that I was going through situations and they would be extremely tough and they'd be extremely hard. And the time I would be going through, I'd be praying, God, I need your help, I need your help, I need your help. And then like process through, God began to be faithful and work me through that situation. I'd get to the other side and I'd turn around and look and like, man, God, you got me through that. I can't believe it. Thank you so much. It, when I saw that he was faithful, I gave thanks. What I love about Jesus is this. He had the ability to see that God was faithful before the miracles took place. And I believe this, that thanksgiving is not only the product of gratitude, but I think, I believe it's also the process of walking by faith. I can use thanksgiving for what God has done but I should also use thanksgiving for what God is going to do. Because if I can move from just being grateful for what God has done, and I move into a place where I can be thankful and move into thanks living, I, I can move into a place of faith that I can see what God's going to be able to do. It will transform how I will go through my next season. So I want to jump on that process today. That's all really I'm going to do. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says this, that give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God. I want to stop real quick and talk about God has a will for you. I love God's will for you. That will really comes down to God has a plan for you. God has such a destiny for you. And what I love about it too is God has a vision and a plan for you. The Bible says, I know the plans that I have for you, says Lord. Plans of good, not of evil. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29, 11. God, God has this plan for you. And as a matter of fact, He can actually see what your plan is. Because the Bible says that in Psalms 139, that there's a book in heaven on every one of your days are written on a page in that book. So it's not like a figment of imagination. There's actually evidence that God has a plan for you. He actually can go get your book out and start opening it up and see what your tomorrow should look like and what your next day should look like and what your next year should look like. God has a, has a way to be able to look forward and see because He has the plan. Now the good news is this. He gave you a book too. All of us are like, man, I would love to read that book in heaven with my name on it. And if I knew what God had in store for me, it would be so easier to walk through what I'm walking through. You need to know something. He gave you a copy of the book. And there are 7,000 pictures in your book of what your future looks like. The Bible says there are over 7,000 promises between those pages. And every one of those promises is a snapshot or a picture. I, I'm a picture guy. Words. But so I, I need to see a picture of what God wants for me to do. And when me and Jen build stuff, she'll be telling me what I want to use maple. I, no, you got to draw me a picture, Jen. You just draw it out and I'll do it. But you got to draw. I'm a picture guy. Well, there are 7,000 pictures of what my destiny looks like in that book. The problem with it is, I usually don't see them until I possess them. I usually don't see God healed me until I'm healed. I usually don't see 
God's going to bless me until I'm blessed. But I'm here to challenge you this year. Let's go into Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, and we're going to move over the next few services into the process of what I think the steps will be to get your life to begin to produce what you know and you can see God wants it to do. It all starts with vision. Now the problem with vision is this. Um, the older I get, the harder it's begin for me to see. I've I told you this before. I finally got to the place, and I keep them. They're in my car. I finally got to the place where nobody's around and nobody's looking. I usually put these on because if I put these on, my arms don't have to be as long as they need to be when they're off when I'm trying to read things. You know, these glasses, what they do is they bring into focus a lot of things that my eyes make blurry. And the reason why my eyes make things blurry is because of situations and circumstances that I have been through through years. My eyes have aged, and as I've gotten older, when I hit my 40s, you know, my eyesight started changing. And, you know, with age, things deteriorated, and now I can't see things the way I could when I was in my 20s. And the thing about it is, I have the ability to be able to if I would just use the things that God gave me. If this makes any sense. Uh, my glasses were created and designed to bring things that I don't see clearly into focus again. There was a time that a lot of us could believe that God can do anything. There was a time that you had a relationship with God and when you, when you accept Him, you knew your entire life would be different. But then time has this process that because as you go through it, it's easy to begin to lose focus of what it was then and you can't see it the way you used to could see it. Like there was a time that married couples, when they were standing at the altar, they could see no wrong. But then you give them five years down the road and their sight has gotten so blurry when they look at their mate, they don't even look like the same person that they made the commitment to when they were standing at the altar the years before. Or when you, when you were given a vision from God about what your destiny or your future would be, you had this dream on the inside and it was easy to see this dream. But as time went on, because dreams are processes, they're not instantaneous. As time went on, because of the situations you went through and other disappointments or hardships you may have hit, there's a way that what the enemy wants to do is make your eyesight get to be blurry. But God has given us a way to look at what we see the way God sees it. And to be able to bring it back into focus again. Now, I don't know you, but a lot of times, you know, I know I need to put on these, but I'm more concerned about what I look like. And so, I will pull these out instead of those. <laughs> and when I put these on, you know, I, I, I put these on a lot of times, not really because of the way they help me see, but honestly because I want you to see the way I look different than what I look in those, if that makes any sense. I'm more concerned about looking a certain way than seeing a certain way. And spiritually speaking, I believe this. Thanksgiving starts with your vision. And so we're going to jump into a different scripture here today than these four. We'll come back to these four. I wanted to lay those out so you know where we're going on this series. But I want to actually go into Ezekiel 37. Because what I want you to see is God's got a vision for our world. God's got a vision for our city. God's got a city vision for our church. God's got a vision 
for your life. God's got a plan that is so amazing for you that I'm telling you that if you could see what God had in store for you, the Bible says you've not even had the concepts even enter your thoughts. It says no eye has seen, no ears heard, even the entered into the imagination or the thoughts of man, the good things that God has in store for you. I mean, what God can see is so amazing, but the cool thing about it is He wants you to be able to see it too. And when you get to the place where you understand that what God has planned for you is so much better than what you have planned, then you want to, you'll start asking God, God, give me your vision, and you'll stop asking God to bless what it is you're wanting to see. A lot of times I try to get God to want to make His will work for what I see I want to have happen, but God is in the process of seeing such great things for me, He's wanting me to see it the way He sees it. And so we're going to jump into this scripture right here. And it says this, The hand of the Lord came upon me. Now, man, that's a great way to start off a scripture, right? The hand of the Lord to be upon me. Because I want the hand of the Lord on me. I've prayed, God, keep your hand on me. Keep your hand on my wife. Keep your hand on my kids. Keep your hand on our church. Keep it. Man, that sounds like such an amazing thing to have the hand of the Lord in you. But what happens when the hand of the Lord puts you somewhere you didn't want to go? Because we see life through what we want to see it through, through the lenses that we think we should look like or what we should be doing. A lot of times, when the hand of the Lord comes upon us, it doesn't look like what we want it to look like. What God is wanting you to do is quit looking at it through your lenses, start looking at it through His, and what's blurry now will become clear. The hand of the Lord is upon me, it says, and He brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley. Now, boy, that, that's usually the way I respond a little different. Because usually when the hand of the Lord comes upon me, my mind, my thoughts, my sight would be like, well, now He's about to bless me. The hand of the Lord is on me. Here, I'm on my way to the top. Here, the Bible says the hand of the Lord was upon him, and it brought him down into the valley. And it wasn't just any valley. The Bible says it was full of bones. Now, what we need to understand about the hand of the Lord is, why would God bring us into valleys? Because you don't get vision on the mountaintop. The hand of the Lord, when He's moving you into a place of vision, which is where faith is built... He always will bring you into a valley. Because on the mountain, He puts people on the mountain so they can see. And there's a difference between sight and vision. See is what God has done. Vision is what God's going to do. And it's real easy for us to live on the mountaintop and see what God has done and move into a part of gratefulness for what He has done but lose out on the vision of being things living on what he can do. In the valley, God put him in a place where there were dry bones. And these dry bones were all laying there. And it was a valley full of death. There was no life. It was everywhere and everything was dead and dry. Now why in the world would God do that? Because God wants you to have vision. Because he knows this. If you can only look at and see what God has done, the good things they've done, you don't need God as much. That's why. That's why. 
when things are great, we don't pray as much. That's why when things are good, we don't, you know, have to, we don't, our church attendance will fall off, our Bible, because God's, we, God's done it. There's a lot of truth to being why are we stay, why do we stay in battles all the time or stay in battles a lot? It's because of this. God is wanting you to get to a place where you don't just live off what you see, but you live off what He sees. And what God sees is vision. What we see is sight. So what happens when our sight doesn't line up with His vision? When your sight doesn't line up with vision, you move into a place of disappointment. And you move into a place of heaviness and lowness. You were never, never just created to live on mountaintops. Vision comes from valleys. And that's why a lot of us right now are in a valley. And we've been in a valley for a long time. It's because you've got to get in this valley and in this place the ability to see what God sees. If you can get the vision that what God has for you in the valley, it will be a matter of time before you're back up on a mountaintop. Let's work through some of this. All right, I don't know if I'm making sense yet. I don't know if you're with me yet, but we're going somewhere. You know, this is what he said in Ezekiel. I'm going to read through the story. He says, And he brought me out into the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And so I answered, O Lord, you know. And again, he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Lord God, to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall surely live. I will put sinews in you and bring flesh upon you. Cover you with the skin and put breath in you and you shall live. And then they shall shall know that I am Lord. So I prophesied as I commanded. And and as I prophesied, there was a noise, a sudden, and a suddenly and a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them. And the skin covered them all. And there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came to them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Let's talk just a minute. This is one of those weird places in the Bible that a lot of times I misinterpret because I actually think God wants to know or wants the answer from me. Here, the Bible says the hand of the Lord was upon this guy and he brought him into a valley. You need to first of all see if you're in a valley, if you're in a place of dry bones, if your marriage is a wreck, if your finances are a wreck, if your health is a wreck, if, if there's so much potential of death in your life, you need to know this. It didn't because God doesn't love you. As a matter of fact, it's because God wants to use you. You say, well, Cricket, you don't understand. It's been this way for a long time. 
Craig, you don't understand. I don't know if this can be reversed or if it can be fixed. What you need to understand is you don't get any worse than dead, dry bones. There's not a circumstance or situation that can be worse than dead, dry bones. And so God put him down in the hand, in the valley full of the worst of the worst. And it was not God's punishment. It was not somebody had missed God. It was not because there were, you know, God wasn't involved in the situation. As a matter of fact, God put him there because God has a vision for your life. And the vision for your life is God wants to use you in the middle of your plan. A lot of times we want God to do it for us and we get the benefit of His plan. That's what thanking God for what He's done says. But when we can move ourselves to a place where we can thank God for what He's going to do, because we can see that if this situation is not good, then it's just a matter of time. If I move myself to a place to speak what God has said about what I am going through, then it will all change. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says, the Lord said this. He said, God said, He said, can anyone, is there any way that these bones can live. You know, it shows how smart Ezekiel was here. Because you ask me, is there any way we can fix this situation? Instantly, I have an opinion. There's a lot of things about my marriage that you can ask, you know, how do you fix that? Or Jennifer, how do we fix this? I'll tell her my opinion. And what I've learned is this. How arrogant am I that I don't know the answer to 99.99999% of the situations I go to. But what I have learned is this. I do know the answer. And what's weird here is this. We have the answer asking Ezekiel for an answer. And Ezekiel was a smart enough cat to realize you don't tell the answer an answer. And so he said this. He says, no one knows but you, Lord. Great answer. Wow, I mean, you said, think of all the great answers of all the questions asked in history's past. That's the best answer. Let me ask you this. The circumstance that you're facing right now, how do you fix it? How do you fix it? You want me to tell you? You don't know or you would have already fixed it. So what you need to do is quit trying to tell God the answer. You quit trying to tell God how to fix it or what He needs to do to make it right. or what, And you need to say, God, what do you want to do in this situation? God, oh, you're the only one that knows how to fix this. You're the only one that knows how to heal my marriage. You're the only one that knows how to move my finances to back where they, they can support my... You're the only one that knows how to give me health and healing. You're the only one that knows. So God, instead of me trying to tell you what to do, God, I'm willing to stop for a minute and let you tell me what you want to do in this situation. Because if you've got all the answers and you're trying to make the will of God yield to your will, you're going to understand you're going to live in a valley full of dry bones for a long time. Because see, you don't have to have the answer. All you have to do is know the answer. And he said this, he said, he said, only you know, Lord. I don't know how many times in my life I would be facing something. And be like, God, if you would just change her. Or God, if you would just move that. Or God, if you would just give me a chance. And I'm trying to put the answer on God. And the whole time God is up there. I, I picture him a lot of times with his arm folded going, when are you going to learn cricket? That if you could fix this, you would have fixed this. I'm not asking you for the answer. What I'm asking you is to find out where your head is. Where are you at in this ballgame? 
Are you willing to let my will work in your life my way? Or are you wanting me to do it your way? And I'm here to tell you, my will for your life, Cricket, is better than any plan or any thought you could ever make up in your situation. And so, he said, God, only you know your way is what I need. We need to say to God, it's up to you. God, what do I do about this? It's up to you, God. I don't know. And when the answer is asking you the question, he's not wanting you to give an answer. What he's wanting you to do is give him your attention. When you're thinking, God, why is my marriage a record? God, why are things so hard? Or God, why? What God's wanting you to do is realize, I've got an answer for you. But it's going to take you quit trying to figure this thing out. The Bible says that in Proverbs 3, 5, 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Man, a lot of us think we're there. But the next part of it proves whether it is or not. It says, lean not to your own understanding. When we move to a place where, man, you're right, it absolutely makes no sense. There's nothing I can do to make these bones come alive. There's nothing I can do to fix this situation. There's nothing I can do to make this marriage work. There's nothing I can do to pay these bills. There's nothing I can do to get my health and to get the disease out of my body. There's nothing I can do to make my kids act right. There's nothing I can do but God, you. I've try- I can't do it, but I need you. It says this, in all your ways acknowledge Him. And it says, He will direct your paths. So, coming to a place saying, God, I don't want you to answer my question. What I want you to do is be my answer to the question. You're actually moving to a place where you're figuring out what it's doing. When God asks you a question about your circumstance, the problem is most of the time we're thinking that the circumstance should be the answer. He said, what, what, what can make these dry bones live again? See, I would think, God, the bones have a problem. I'm not the one with the problem. Obviously, it's the circumstances here. I mean, you put me here, I could have told you from the mountaintop those bones had a problem. I mean, I didn't see them moving from there. Most of the time, when God asks us a question about your circumstances, we take the position that there's a problem with the circumstance. And the answer should come from the circumstance. But you need to understand this. If God's asking you a question about your circumstance, if you've got questions about your marriage, if you've got questions about your job, if you've got questions about your dreams, if you've got questions about your kids, they're not the problem. And they're not going to have the answer. What God's going to do, He's going to use you. He's going to cause a change in you. And then when He causes a change in you, what will happen is you'll be able to step back into that same valley and you will be the answer to the bones problem. And that's what you've got to understand is, see, before you can ever have thanks living... Live toward a life that you're thankful for. You're going to have to begin to understand that something in you has got to change. God's not trying to get you to see what's going on. You already do that. Already do that. I can tell you what Jennifer does that I consider to be wrong to me. I can tell you what 
what's going on at the job that's not fair. I can tell you who's keeping me back or holding me down. I can tell you what part of my body ain't functioning right. I can tell you. I can tell you what's wrong. But when you just talk about what's wrong, it doesn't fix anything that's right. And so... You've got to understand that you're not, the circumstance isn't going to be the answer. But you know the God of the circumstance. And He will bring the answer. God is trying to get you to see beyond what it is you're seeing and look at what you're seeing the way He sees it. And that's what you call getting God's vision. Because see, we see things the way we see them, but they're not the way God sees them. See, He says, "What? Did, look at these bones. Oh, they're, they're dead, they're dry. And He says, you know, what can make them live? And He knew, He said, God, you can. I see that you have the ability to do the impossible. I can't do this. I can't fix this. The bones can't fix themselves or they wouldn't be in this shape either. But God, I see that only you will have the power. You Only you will have the ability to change this thing. So God, what do you want me to do? If you want to learn to live a life that brings thanksgiving into your thanks living, that begins to change your future, you have to say, God, what do you want me to do? Not do what I want to do or what I feel like doing because what I'm seeing looks real. But you don't want to see what you see. You need to get the vision that God has for it and when you can see that what you're looking at, God has a different plan for, then you can see that God wants to use you. Now, you've got to say this. It's called being able to look through faith. You know, you, faith is you being able to see beyond circumstances. You want to work in definition of faith? Able to see beyond circumstances. Number two, well, you know, Everybody sees things differently. Let me guys remember the test with the two dresses, the blue and the red? I mean, the blue and the black are the white and gold. Y'all, so y'all remember that internet sensation went all over? You know, it, um, everybody sees things differently. All right? So the problem is you don't see w- with your eye. You see through your eye. You need to understand this. You don't see. Scientists have proven now you don't see through with your eye. You see through your eye. And so what happens is what goes on inside your head will interpret to you what you see through your eye. Your brain actually sees what comes through your eye. Light travels through your eye when it hits your brain. Your brain tells you what picture it is you're looking at. Now the problem with it is a lot of us have been thinking wrong about a lot of things for a long time. And when we see dry bones, because we've seen dry bones for a long time, we see that this situation is over, dead. God must have something else for me than what I'm looking at right now. God, alright, let's go to another valley maybe where the buffalo are grazing. But see, that's what you see because of past experiences. You don't see with your eye. You see through your eye. And what God is saying is, before you can see what I see, you're going to have to change what you're seeing with. Now, two people see the same, can look at the same thing, see something different. How many guys are good at math? You get at math. All right, see, that's why we got such a great church, because there are a lot of smart people. When I see math, I see headache. All right? But there is a formula, a mathematical formula for faith. Now, there, there, a lot of times, I want to make common sense out of a miracle process that God has. So I take a lot of the supernatural power out of what God's trying to do, just like this. Bring up that picture I sent you guys. About the X. Do we have it? All right, this question was asked to a student. It says, it gave him a... G- do we have it? Go ahead and bring it up. It has a geometry square. And it says this. Find X. And this kid put, here it is. All right? That's what I do a lot of times. 
I look at a problem and I try to make con. Now, see, this kid should have been teaching the class because he's right. There is X, all right? That is the truth. But he failed the class because that's not the answer. Now, when you find X and you think, here it is, you're trying to make a, a common sense understanding out of a supernatural situation. You were not made to live naturally. You were made to live supernaturally. Jesus did not use thanksgiving for what God has done. Jesus used thanksgiving for what God was going to do. Before he, there was a dead man that he needed to raise from the dead, so he didn't use, you know, go like God, he didn't turn around and say, God, thank you for raising all the people in the past. And I, No, he looked at the situation and thanked God for what God was about to. He was able to see through the eyes of faith what God could do because he quit looking at it through common sense. He started looking at it. So here's the, here's the mathematical equation for faith. If I say what God says, then I will see what God sees. If you need a formula, here it is. If I say what God says, I will see what God sees because the power of your words is what God has given you to be able to change your circumstances and situations. All right, let's go. Let's go. God has put power in each one of our mouths, especially when we became Christians. We began to get supernatural power. It shows up in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, it says this. It says, verse 8, it says, And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria, and the end of the world. It says, we, I'm giving you the power to become witnesses. All right? He said witnesses. So how do you become a witness? You had to start speaking. Speaking is evidence that there's faith. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I want you to know something. Where there is no evidence, there is no faith. Where there is no evidence, there is no faith. Now, to be able to see what God sees means you're going to have to say what God says. Because if you can't say what God says, that tells me this. You can't see what God sees. Because there is evidence connected to faith. And the Bible said this. The Bible said that here in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, He gave them power. Now, if you go on and read down the story, it says this. It says that when the Holy Spirit came upon them, it said it blew, it suddenly blew in the room like a mighty rushing wind, set tongues of fire on their head, and they all began to speak in unknown tongues. And it says, as they began to speak in unknown tongues, there were people all over the world, 120 people in this room, speaking with unknown tongues. There were people all over the city that had come there for a feast, and they were from all over the world. All the Jews, all over every nation came there. And when they were walking around, they began, the Bible says, to hear these Galileans. Now, that's what made it crazy. Because, see, the guys walking around the city were hearing Galileans. They were not hearing world travelers. They were not hearing people that had been over to other countries and experiencing this new language. It says they had heard Galileans speaking in their own native tongue which made that was something they did not have the possibility or ability to do. It was a miracle. See, when they started using their mouth and allowing God to use their mouth to speak what God was having them say miracle began to take place. Now, I'm not getting into the, the miracle of tongues today. What I'm telling you is this. When the Holy Spirit baptized them with power, the first thing He affected was their mouth. So let's not go into the unknown tongue thing. Let's go into this. God Has God baptized you with His Spirit to the point where already it has affected your English language? Let's not get into the part we don't know. Let's talk about the English language. Most people... Or can't move into a thanks living life because they can't let the power of God change the way they use their mouth. 
they, they move themselves into a place where they're going to say what they see. And if you say what you see, you will have what you have. And right now, you have what you have because you say what you see. If your marriage is a wreck, I can follow you around long enough, just a day or two, and I'll hear you badmouth your husband or badmouth your wife or talk to him this way or talk to her that way. If you've got a job that you hate going to, I can follow you around, and your mouth will be telling me how bad your job is or how tough your situation is. And See, you can always tell what somebody says because it's, they, they say what they see and what they see is what they have. Uh, the thing about thanks living is a concept different. you got to say what God sees or the vision that God has that this situation can be. God's faith says this is not what it is, but it's not limited to what it is because I am connected to a supernatural source. And because I'm connected to a supernatural source, if I will take what he sees and say what he says, then what will happen is it's just a matter of time before what I'm speaking about will be what God says it is. When you begin to use the power that God has given you in your mind, when the, if the Spirit of God is on the inside of you, there is a power that you have to be able to prophesy in into your future to change your situation to make it what God says it should be. Problem with it is we say more things that it shouldn't be than what we say God says it can be. I've never met a husband whose wife would say, man, you're the most godly man. I am. You are the greatest husband. Man, you're the most amazing that that husband didn't begin to change. I've never met, never met somebody that, all right, let's go there. I'm going to go personal on this one, right? Never met somebody that didn't have a powerful move of God in a church that didn't walk around saying, man, I'm so glad I go to that church because every time I go there, the presence of God is there and it changes me and it shifts and God comes in and empowers. But I have heard a lot of people come into church, wonder why he don't move because they go outside. As a matter of fact, as I was, there was a season that a parent called me one time and said, hey, I need you to come pray for my kid. And the kid was in a bad spot. And I said, you know, I would love to, but it would do no good. No good. And he said, why? Well, I said, because I've even heard the things you've said about our church. And if I've heard them, I know he's heard them. And so if I go and pray, and he believes even a third of the things that you've said, then there's no power of faith to be able to work there. See, everything that comes out of your mouth is prophetic. Everything you say and the thing about it is this. You must say, well, cricket, that's fact. I don't care what fact is. I care what faith is. Because facts can change. Faith has never. If God said it, it's only a matter of time. If I will say it, and I will say it long enough, it will come about. Because if you can say it, you will see it. The Bible says He brought him down into this valley and these bones were died. There was no denying the bones were dead. And God said this, what I want you to do is I want you to begin to prophesy. Prophesy today. Well, that's, that's a weird word, Cricket. You're using tongues and you're using prophecy in this thing. What you need to understand is this. What's coming out of your mouth is being used by somebody. The devil is after your words as much as God is after your words. And your words have the ability to either let God work in your situation or it gives the devil permission to work in your situation. What you say about your circumstances, the devil's waiting for when you say it'll never change. 
He's waiting for that opportunity to step in and make your situation worse. When you say, I can't handle this anymore, the devil's waiting for those words for him to step in. But God's also waiting when you say, there's nothing my God can't do. For God, all things are possible. When you say what God has said about your situation, God is waiting to step into your situation. I don't have to worry about what tomorrow brings. That's what the Bible tells me. Do you know why I don't have to? Because God's already told me what my future will be like. And if you don't know what your future, what God has said about your future, then absolutely, you're probably worried to death about what your tomorrow will bring. Now the problem is we're so concerned a lot of times about looking stupid. Now, I'm not one of those name it, claim it guys. I'm not power of positive thinking. But the Bible did say this. Jesus said that I can command to a mountain, pick up and be thou removed, and it will be picked up and thrown into the sea. Now, what makes the difference from me saying, mountain, pick up and move, and give me that bass boat? What makes the difference in the two? Because one of them has to line up with the will of God. Prophecy is not you naming, claiming. Prophecy is you hearing what God says and you repeating what God says. Your tomorrow, God wants to make so great. But the problem is, every time you speak about your circumstance, you're giving the enemy permission to keep things or do things in your future because you gave him the words to do it with. The Bible says that there's life or death in the power of the tongue. But when I choose to decide to say what God says about something. Now, and you say, well, Craig, what, what, are you, what are you talking about prophecy? Prophecy is not this crazy weird thing. Prophecy is simply you taking what God has said and you repeating it. Even in this story, God didn't put him... You don't got to make up your own thinking. The Bible says, He says... What, can these bones live? He says, only you know, Lord. And the Lord said, speak to these bones and prophesy. And then I love this. He didn't have to make up, shake, rattle, and roll. He didn't have to do that. The Bible says then, God directly gave him the words to speak over the bones. Problem is, most of us aren't willing to get in the Word and see what God has said about the word, our situation. So we're trying to say what we wanted to say and do what, trying to get God to do what we wanted to do when in the Word, God's given you the exact words that you just have to repeat. And you just have to understand. If I'll be, that's why you know, when you walk around with a book of promises and you just start declaring those promises over your life, what you're speaking in your future is thanks living. When I say that I am the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, I am speaking into things living. And that gives God permission to His Word to work in my behalf on my future process. I don't have to worry about what tomorrow brings because I'm blessed. God made every day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it because the way God made this thing for me is going to be good or I wouldn't be so happy. It's, I mean, I go around prophesying into my day because this, the truth is i got a lot of circumstances that don't look good. But because God's already given me a word about it, all I have to do is say, now, let me tell you this on this side. All right, you say, well, Craig, all right, show me, show me, show me. Okay, let's go into the word. I, I know I'm, we got just a couple minutes. I'm going to give it to you real quick. Matthew 9, 21 is a story about the woman with the issue of blood. 
And for 12 years, the Bible said she went to every doctor. And the doctor would tell her to do something, and she would pay for it, and it didn't work. Every circumstance and situation she tried did not work. But then the Bible said this. She stopped trying to do something about it. And this is what the Bible said. If you read it in verse 21, he said this. It says that she had heard that Jesus was coming by, and then here's the key. She said to herself... If I can but touch the hem of his garment. Now that is a, a declaration statement. It, in the original, it comes out of a declarative, rep, repetitious, repertory declaration is what the, um, the uh, study, whatever it said. It said that she didn't just say it once. She said, if I can touch but the hem of his garment, if I can just touch it. And check this out. Check this out. The more she said it, the closer she got. Because you need to know this. What you're saying and what you're thinking is leading your life in the direction your life's going. Jesus was going that way and she was creeping up on Him. She said, but if I can touch the hem of His garment. If I can touch the hem of His garment. If I can touch the hem of His garment. See, if she'd have been saying, you know, I'm never going to get healed. I'm never going to get healed. She would have been going exact opposite of where God's miracle for her life was. But she said to herself over and over again, if I can but touch the hem. Whatever you're thinking and whatever you're saying is setting the direction that your life is going in. Because you got to understand, this is a lady that's been sick for 12 years. Jesus was in his 30s. He was a carpenter. He walked everywhere. I bet his pace was pretty good. And we got a sickly lady that was able to catch up to him. That alone is a miracle. Because her to catch a young guy, she'd been sick for a while. But see, her words to herself were so powerful, they were able to give her strength and the ability to make it to where she could get her miracle from. If you can learn to speak the Word of God over your bones in your life, it'll be a matter of time. You will reach what God has for you. You will start seeing results. You will start feeling results. problem with this, faith does not feel good. Facts feel real. Faith feels scary. And the problem with fear and faith is they're both prophetic. And the thing about it is if you're afraid it's not going to happen and you speak your faith, that's where you're going. Bible says, I know the voice that my sheep know my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. I mean, there are more than one voices and I get the choice of which one I'm going to go after. You want me to tell you which one you're going after? Whichever one you're repeating. Whichever one you're repeating is the direction your life is going in. You're either prophesying fear or you're prophesying faith. And you can't get to choose. You, you can't get God's miracle. If you're, if you're in this situation where I, you know, you're not prophesying that God has all the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. You know, that God has good things in store for those that love Him. I mean, if you can't begin to prophesy what God has said, then you're just going to be prophesying what the fear or the situation says, and it will not take you into a life that you can look back and say, I'm so thankful I lived this life. I'm honestly to the point now where I've seen so many promises come about in my past, but I also got some in my future, that I am so thankful that I get to live this life that I live because I know what's coming down the chain. It doesn't matter what I'm going through right now. It's only a matter of time if I can just keep speaking. God's looking for a vessel. The devil's looking for a vessel. And you're either going to speak death or you're going to speak life and you're given the choice and if you'll just start speaking what God has said. Well, I don't even like him no more. I don't care. Talk about him like God talks about him. I don't even want to do that. I don't care. Talk about it the way God talks about it. If you will find out what he said... It will change what you're going through. Check this out. All right, you say, we'll finish it. Okay. Acts chapter 2. It, I admit, we look stupid sometimes. 
I admit it. We, me and my wife had just been walking through a, a situation where, I mean, I'm telling you, it was life-changing. Life-changing. And in this situation that we're going through, life-changing, I thought I had it figured out. And man, I spent days and I spent weeks declaring and praying over these things, driving in my car, I was speaking it, speaking it, speaking it. But I, I got to be honest with you. I wasn't sure. It, there wasn't anything. I, I wasn't speaking the wrong things. I was naming it and claiming it. And I was fighting that guy. And it didn't happen. I mean, it just fell flat. And I got to be honest with you, for about three days, I walked around like I felt majorly wounded. I felt like God had dropped the ball. I was like, God, I couldn't have fought any harder in faith. And I, all this stuff. But Jennifer, she was different. And I wanted her to be as angry as I was. I was mad at the people involved. I was mad at the circumstance. And I was completely disappointed at God because I named it and claimed it. The thing about it is this. God will not yield His will to your way. He didn't tell you to say what you want. He said, say what you say. What He says. All right? See what I have for you. And Jennifer said this. She simply said this. That means God has something better down the road. And I'm telling you, for about three days, I was bothered. Because she said, did she give us a problem? All things work together for good. For those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose, she said. I said, quit cheating. I was mad at her at that time too. That's the, that's the go-to scripture everybody gets to use. I was mad. I really, I really struggled with that, this disappointment that had happened. Because I, I saw it was God and I knew God wanted to do this thing. Well then, it, wasn't, it was honestly two days later, the opportunity that was there went up a level. It didn't just go regional, it went national. And I thought, Jennifer, you were right. You know, here it is on this night. I mean, God, you were right, Jen. I'm sorry. So I spent several days repenting. God, I'm sorry, Dad. All this and we walked about three days into this one. And it fell flat. I mean, just splatter. I mean, it was over. And I made myself this. I couldn't change the way I felt. Because now I felt like I, God done drug us through the gutter twice. Got my hopes up. and let it. I was quoting that scripture. Hope deferred makes a heart sick. I said, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this? Don't you know I would, I would have proclaimed and testified about what you had done? I would, and God just kept saying, Kurt, you've got to prophesy. You've got to prophesy. You've got to quit looking at what you happened. And start prophesying. Because if you're just living on yesterday's blessing, you're missing out on the one you're going to have tomorrow. And so I started telling God, all right, God, I, I, I didn't feel it. I was still very... Just, I, I, I was shocked that... 45 years old now, and being a pastor as long as I was, I was ably, able to get that emotionally wrong. I really, I was even shocked at myself at that moment. How can I feel this way? I know I've been a Bible college. I've got three Bible school degrees. I mean, been through the, how can I feel this way? Because the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, the devil wants to give me thoughts too. And I, I mean, I would, all the thoughts that he was giving me, I was feeling. And this time I had to make myself Get in the Scripture. Had to make myself get in the Scripture. And the Scripture the Lord gave me, I already knew. I just didn't know it was for right then. It was what the enemy meant for harm. Because that's what happened in that situation. The devil wanted those two disappointments to mess up my faith. And in Genesis it said what the enemy meant for harm, God meant for good to save many lives. 
And I said, all right, God, I'm going I'm to pronounce that. I'm not going to deny the fact that I said, but what the enemy meant for harm. God, you're going to turn to save many lives. You're going to turn for... And I quoted and I quoted and I quoted. Well, yesterday, out of nowhere, another opportunity that was connected to all those other ones came out of nowhere. Now, I'm not going to speak into them because, you know, it is. It's better than the other two could have possibly been. Financially, already started off 11,000 more times better than the other two were being. And it was, God had this plan that I didn't see because I, I couldn't see when I had a disappointment that it's okay, he don't, we can go through a valley of dry bones, but the way we get through that dry bones is we have to prophesy, say what God is saying. And look at this. Look at this. This is the formula. Acts 2 says this. says, that's when the Holy Spirit came on them. They began to speak out of their mouth and with an ability that they didn't have before. It came from God. It said this, and Peter, the one that could never get it right, said, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Some of your, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Now let me ask you this. Does vision become before prophecy? Or what does it say has to happen first? He said this. He said, you're going to have to prophesy. And if you'll move yourself to say what God has said, it will be a matter of time before you see what God sees. If you want to live the life that God has for you, you're going to have to learn to prophesy before you see it. You're going to have to say, thank you for that, God, because I know you want to bless me. Thank you, God, because your word says. And you've got to begin to prophesy it. Prophesy before you see. But anything you prophesy, you will see. If you will say it, you will be it. And this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that he said, all right, God, you told me to say, dry bones begin to live. And the Bible says, there began a shaking with the bones. It says, and a rattling began to happen. And the impossible began to form. And when there was no way possible for a graveyard to become an army, the power of God using the Word of God that a person chose to let come out their mouth began to change that situation. I put this before you. You've got two months left in this year. Live the rest of your thanks living. And not just Thanksgiving. You begin to find promises about your marriage. You find promises about your job. You find prom- And you get up every day and you declare what the Word of God has said over you and over your family. And you will begin to live the life that God wants you to live. And you will thanks live instead of just thanksgive. Thanksgiving's important. We're not going to take it out of the picture. But I want you to know something. The way you change your tomorrow is you begin to prophesy today what God has said about your circumstances. No matter how impossible they may seem. Don't give up on what you're going through. If God has put you in this valley, He's put you in this valley to declare the Word of the Lord in this so that when you stand on a stage and your bones are living and you're standing in a victorious army, when you're standing in a situation where people say, that can only be God, you will be a witness. And that's why the Bible said they were baptized in the Holy Spirit so they could be that witness and you will have to use your mouth. 
If you don't use your mouth, you're going to miss out on what God has for you. Amen? And it's just simple as that. Guys, I truly believe this. Somebody needs to start speaking over their situation. Don't walk out of here today and say what you said about it before you came in here. If you have to put, Jennifer tells me this, Cricket. One thing I want, she told me this today, Cricket, I'm so thankful. One thing you've taught me since we've been married is how to bite my lip. <laughs> and I said, Jen, I hadn't learned that one yet. And she goes, I know. <laughs> when you walk out of here, if you have to bite your lip Amen. to keep from saying what you've been saying, okay. you bite your lip. And you only let what the Word of God say come out of your mouth about that situation. And I'm telling you, I don't believe he ever saw that it could be an army. I believe he probably thought there could be life. But it says that it didn't just become living people. They became a great army. When I read that at the end, it just blew my expectations. Because it would have been a good story if it says, you know, they came alive. But they didn't come alive. They came alive with power, authority, and the ability to win victory. You can speak into your situation what God has said and prophesy. Amen? I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I want to do this. Can I prophesy just a minute over you? You say, well, Cricket, are you a prophet? No, but I, I do know what the Word of God says. It says you will be blessed going in and you will be blessed coming out. You'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the field. It says you'll be, when the people see you, they will recognize that you are the children, the children of the Lord because of the blessings that come upon you. I want to tell you this. When you walk out these doors, you speak what God says and you will see what God sees and you will have what God said you can have. Amen? Father God, I thank you for your word. I make a decision right now to get on top of what I've been letting come out of my mouth. I curse every word I have spoken in every area, and I declare them to be null and void right now in the name of Jesus. They will fall to the ground and will not bear bitter fruit. And now I make the conscious choice that I will speak what you say over my situation. I will speak what you say over my marriage. I will speak what you say over my job, over my health, over my finances, over my children, over my destiny, over my body. I speak what you say. And I declare today, Lord, that your word is the faith. I will not listen to fact. And I'm not going to fake it till I make it. I'm going to faith it until I make it. And I declare the word of the Lord over this. And I declare this. This is a great and mighty church, Lord. I think you are using this church in this city. I declare today, Father God, that you are causing every person in here to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, giving them the power to be witnesses into Elderweda, into Arkansas, into every job, into every home in this area, in this situation. We declare, Lord, what your word says. And we are going to move from not what you have done, but what you said you're going to do. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.